This is one of my favorite subjects and one of my favorite things to do. To build my life on scripture or to build my life on concepts brought to my mind by the Word of God. I was born again in 1975 and very quickly had opportunities to build my house on the Word of God. The first thing God showed me was Joshua chapter 1, especially verse 8. This book of the law, in our case, the New Testament Bible, and the promises of God also in the Old Testament. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then Thou shalt have good success. I saw that by taking a scripture and keeping it before me day and night, I would get strong enough to be able to actually do that verse of scripture. And when I got in the position where I would do the scripture, I would be living the scripture. And Christ lived in me and I lived in him. And I also saw that I would make my way prosperous and have good success. In Psalm chapter 1, we see the same promise of God. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. In other words, going in the way of sinners. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It was so clear to me to prosper and make my way godly on this earth, all I had to do was build my house on the Word of God. I could build my house on a scripture, or I could build my house on a concept of instruction brought to me by the Holy Spirit, brought to me in the form of a thought about what to do about something of this present life. Either way, I would be following God and building my house on a sound foundation. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came And the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. 
And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. As I read the Bible, I often was very alert, watching for scriptures that I could do. There are so many scriptures that I would see and set them before me day and night to enable me to have the strength to do those scriptures. As a new Christian in 1975, my best friend, a Baptist, said to me, Joni, you have to learn to memorize scripture. I said, I do? And she said, yes. So she enrolled me in Bible Memory Association. I had to memorize one verse of scripture a week and then recite it for Donna, who was my sponsor. And then she turned it in to the program, to the organization, Bible Memory Association, that I had successfully memorized that scripture. (laughs) This is all so foolish. Because um, it was so hard to do it. God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. And it was terribly difficult for me to memorize that verse of Scripture each week. Well, when God's yoke is easy and His burden is light, you know you're going in the right way. When it is hard for you to do, you know you're going in the wrong way. Just stop and pray, and God will give you another plan. I didn't know enough at that time to stop and pray, but God gave me another plan anyway, and that was he would call my attention to certain scripture, and I would do what I saw in Joshua chapter 1 and in Psalm 1, keep it before me day and night until I was strong enough to actually do the scripture. Well, when I did the scripture, it became a part of me, and I had no problem at all quoting that scripture because it was a part of my life. It was my life. So I saw later the unspiritual way to go about memorizing scripture and the spiritual way to go about being able to live in scripture and thereby have it a part of you and having no problem whatsoever in quoting it later. One is a plan of man, the other is a plan of God. Just take the verse of scripture that you want to be able to do. Look at it in the morning when you get up and think about it. Look at it in the evening when you go to bed and think about it. And see if you were able to do it that day. Eventually, if you will just hold on to that scripture and keep looking at it, You will be able to do that scripture, and it will become a part of you. And every time we do a scripture, we are recreated into the image of Jesus. For the Word is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word. Doing the Word causes us to be recreated into the image of Jesus. I have absolutely no doubt about this. 
I've done hundreds of scriptures in the past 40 plus years. Hundreds. And never once has any word of God failed me. I've had word of God that I've done by the scripture. I've had word of God that I have done by the Holy Spirit bringing a concept to my mind. For example, in 2020, I was um, thinking about my old car and Pam's old car. I live at her house. She's a member of the body of Christ and took me into her home to live after I had an accident in 2019. Anyway, she has a 17-year-old a car and I had a 25-year-old car. I had broken a hip twice and broken several bones in my body. It's very hard for me to sit long on any surface. So to sit on a car upholstery was really difficult. And I was thinking about what to do about this problem. I don't drive anymore, but to sit in the passenger seat of either car was difficult. So I was thinking about having the seats reupholstered in the two old cars. When I heard a word from the Holy Spirit, quote, or you could just buy a new car, end quote. I was shocked. I'd never thought of that. And I said, that's right, I could. I had just sold the house in Texas, and I had plenty of money to buy a new car and have money left over, quite a bit of money left over. So I had plenty of money to do this thing. I just never thought of it. I just thought I'd have the seats rebuilt in the old cars. Well, you know the wisdom is from God. <laughs> having a 24-year-old a car and a 17-year-old car or having a new car. So I bought a new car. I also had a dream that same night that I'd bought a car. So I had some pretty strong confirmation about this car business. When we hear from God by the Spirit of God, even if it looks like it's not going to work, it works. We had almost immediately some doubts come to us about the new car. It didn't seem to have enough power. And then one day, about three months down the road, we had a snowstorm in Colorado. We had some snow, and we didn't get out for about five days. Pam went out to start the car, and it wouldn't start. She called her uh, insurance roadside assistance service. They sent someone out to put a jumper cable on the car, and because of the kind of batteries in the new car, they were unable to do that like they could the old cars. So the insurance companies sent a tow truck out to tow the new car to the car dealer to get it fixed. That worked out to be a blessing for us, although many doubts came as a result of this problem. Did we buy the right car? And I found myself looking at more cars than I've ever thought of in my entire life. I would see them on the road, and I would think, well, now what kind of car is that? Maybe we should have bought that car. And I had to fight all these doubts 
But I knew it was God showing me to do what I did. I knew it was. When you hear a word from God, whether it's a scripture or whether it is a concept, you're going to be tested most likely. When you set about to do the word of God, you should not be at all surprised that Satan will come along to steal the word of God and to try to get you to turn from the direction that you have set your life to go according to that word. Mark chapter 4 tells us about Satan coming to steal the word. This is Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. All right, let's look at this root business. The word comes to us, and we meditate on that word day and night. What are we doing? Building a deep root system to enable us to do the word. But the, this person in this parable had no root system, so the word withered away. And some fell upon among thorns. Some of the seeds fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up, and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some an hundred. And Jesus said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, his disciples that were about him came to him and asked him about this parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? Then Jesus is going to explain the parable to them. The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Satan comes saying, now has God really said that to you? Did he really say that to you? Is that what he said? Oh, that can't be right. I must have misunderstood that's how Satan comes to us to steal that word. But if you keep that word before you day and night, you're going to build a root system which keeps Satan from stealing the word from you. And you will get strong enough in time that you can actually do the word that is brought to you. 
Verse 16, Jesus says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now, here's the case of that car that we bought. We bought this new car because I had heard from God, a word from God, or you could just buy a new car. And I'd also had a dream from God showing me I bought a new car. I had two witnesses on this. And here comes Satan to steal the word. The car would not start and had to be towed back to the dealer. Did you make a mistake? Maybe you made a mistake on that car. Maybe you should have bought this other kind of car. And every time we'd be out and meet a car, I'd look at to see what kind of car is that? What kind of car is this? And pretty soon you get to thinking, well, maybe I didn't hear from God, but I knew I'd heard from God. I know the voice of the Holy Spirit. I know it's, it's an easy yoke. Well, it was a very easy yoke to buy a car. Pay cash for it. I wouldn't have gone in debt for it. Like so many people, you see these television in 2020 during the food lines at the food banks. I've been watching this for months carefully. I have yet to see an old car in those food bank lines. Why? Because they've gone out there. They've made it so easy to buy a car and not pay any money. And now you're in debt to the to the people that own really own the car though you drive a new car i see that all the time on television they're begging for food and taking free food from the us government while they drive a brand new car well i don't take food from the us government because i have enough money to pay for my food it's a different way of living we have a different way of living from the way of the world, when we're following God. But doubt came about the car. Here it's sitting there at the new car business. Been there for, it was there for oh, two and a half weeks. Finally, we got it back. And they found that there was some type of computer program that had not been updated on that car. And that was causing the problem with the low power. And they also found that there was some type of what's called a parasitic problem that was eating up the battery when the car was not used. Now we've got the car back and it has plenty of power. So we don't have any problem. But there's no doubt in my mind Satan came to try to steal faith in God. It was hard. Two and a half weeks, it was a very hard thing to go through. But it's clear to me what happened. And I just kept thinking, all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are the call according to God's purpose. And I kept just saying, I know you showed me to buy that car. I know you did. You have to sometimes really fight a fight of faith, to hold on to a word of God, which you have done 
and then the devil comes to try to make you think you did the wrong thing or you didn't hear from God. In John 10.10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And he says they won't follow a voice of a stranger because they know not strangers. Well, I can tell you how you know the voice of God. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. When he tells you to do something, it's easy to be entreated. He doesn't cause you to be a beggar or a thief or to go in debt or to have a heavy burden. That's the way of the world. That's not the way of God. God makes you the head and not the tail. You will be above only and not beneath when you follow him. Deuteronomy 28 shows you how to be blessed. You follow the word of God. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Go straight ahead following that word of God and he will bless you in every way. But most people today follow the world's plan and I think most people who are Christians follow the plans of the world in order to get things. And you need to understand all these things are going to be destroyed. It may not be very long before they're destroyed. When God brings the great tribulation, it will destroy the heaven and the earth. So you're following futile things by following the things you can see with your natural eye. If you follow scripture and cling to scripture and hold on, your house will never fall. Or if you follow a concept brought to you by God and hold on, your house will never fall. So in the sower who sowed the word and how the word was taken away, Jesus said in verse 16, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so they endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended and fall away from the word. But if you keep that word before you, like in Joshua 1, 8, day and night, and think upon it, you have a power to hold on to the word and to hold on to your faith when the storms of this life come. Verse 18, Jesus said, Matthew 4, uh, Mark 4, excuse me, verse 18, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground. On that good ground, you prepare that ground to sow that seed. You think on that word constantly, day and night. Well, when it is sown on good ground, they hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit from the word, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So meditating on that word of God that you hear from God, whether it be a scripture or a concept, keeping it before you, meditating on it, day and night, is the way you hold on to that word. 
There was a woman that was in our church group for 39 years. She eventually left us. She let things eat her alive. I'm not sure what the things were, but she definitely left, let devils into her life in the form of thoughts. And she acted upon the thoughts of the devil and did not hold on to the things that God had shown her. Now, this is a very serious problem because when you do that, God can turn you over to a reprobate mind. And that is in Romans chapter 1 at the end of the chapter. If you fail to keep that word of God in front of you because they did not keep the word in front of them, God turned them over to a reprobate mind. Well, this woman had a dream. Her husband was not a believer. She had a dream where he was sitting there reading the Bible. She had lots of trouble with mental with thoughts concerning her husband. He was a very intellectual man. How can he be saved? But she had that dream. And I told her, I said, you cling to that dream. Write it out. Keep it before you day and night. Look at it because that's information from God. Now, it's not that her unbelief would cause the word to not come to pass. But what it, her unbelief can do is cause her to be swept away. That's what you have to really understand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, we read, Know ye not that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate? Well, if you refuse, if you fail to keep that word of God in front of you and follow that word of God, God can turn you over to a reprobate mind. Romans chapter 1, let's look at that. Verse 28 and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. In other words, they didn't keep in front of them the word of God on the subject. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So it's a very serious matter, failing to keep the word of God in your mind and God speaks to us through dreams that's one way he shows us what to do or what is going to happen so this woman really should have kept that dream in front of her day and night that her husband was reading the Bible and it was for her own salvation that she needed that word what she ended up doing is the devil would speak lies to her about me. And she bought those lies, and at one point, after 39 years, she struck out at me verbally and attacked me over things that really weren't even true. You see, the devil lies to us. The devil twists the situation. God is the spirit of truth. So you have truth on one hand and the devil on the other. When you have a thought about someone, you basically turn to God with the thought and say, please show me the truth about this situation. 
and you wait and you examine the things brought to your mind which prove the situation to you. This woman once told me that I was the most godly person she had ever seen, and then she turned on me. Well, she it's very clear to me. The devil brought lies to her mind, and she bought in to the lies. What happened was uh, I felt she was a prophet, and I encouraged her to share impressions with our church group. Many times I would say something to her, and she'd say, I thought of that, but she didn't share it. And all I was doing was trying to get her to share with our, her, our church group. And she thought I was throwing rocks at her. Well, it's a very sad situation, but there's absolutely nothing I can do about that. Will she be saved in the end? I really don't know if she will be or not. Some people believe once saved, always saved, but I know you can be turned over to a reprobate mind because I see the scriptures saying that. And the second thing I know is Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. Let's look at that. Jesus says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. We overcome by keeping the word of God in front of us on the subject at hand and refusing to go along with the lies from the devil. That's how we overcome. So building your house on the word of God is one of the most important things to do. For me, it's also one of the most fun things to do. I don't know anything more exciting than doing a scripture. One time I saw Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and it intrigued me. And I began keeping it before me day and night and began trying to structure my life according to that scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I began meditating on that scripture day and night and thinking about it throughout the day, and trying to structure my speech on this, will this edify the body of Christ? If I say this, is it going to minister grace to the hearers? Is it going to edify them, build them in the faith? At the same time I was meditating on this scripture, there was a presidential election race going on in the United States between Mrs. Clinton and Donald Trump. I'm extremely non-political. I usually pay no attention at all to things like political races because I don't believe anyone can get to the position 
of running for president of the United States without compromising. It has nothing to do with me. It's strictly a thing of this world. But this intrigued me. I let some thoughts come into my mind which intrigued me, such as, if Mrs. Clinton is elected, will we call Mr. Clinton the first man? Dumb things like that intrigued me. And I thought what it would be like and what would happen. And so I became interested in it and would watch on the newscast. At one point during this election, I was visiting my neighbors across the street, and I wanted to say, what do you think about the election? You see, something corrupted come into my mind. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. This scripture was going to work in my life in this situation. Am I going to speak this to my neighbors? What's it going to do if I say to them, What do you think about the election? Is that going to edify them in ways of God? Is that going to minister grace to them? Or is it going to open the doors for the fires of hell to manifest itself? Well, there's no doubt about what it will do. If I say that to them, it's going to set things on fires of hell and be downhill all the way no matter who they're for, and it will do no good work. So see how this scripture was working in me? But it was a struggle for me. I I learned at that point in time how strong the flesh can be because I wanted so badly to say this. Job once said, I'll put my hand over my mouth if I have to do so to keep from speaking. Well, I sat there asking God to help me not to say this this thing that I wanted so badly to say. We live in the flesh and the spirit, and we have to control the flesh by the spirit. But that flesh is always there just waiting to rise up and exert itself. After about two or three times of wanting to say this, I finally just got up and went home and did not speak this. The scripture was controlling me so strongly, though, that I was kept from speaking this. But I know, even if you don't have a scripture that you're thinking on, that if you will just cry out to God, help me, please, God, help me not to say that, that you'll find that you have left and and you haven't said it. And then you marvel that God really answered your prayer and kept you from saying that, if you don't want to say it. Or do the thing. In the midst of that temptation, it's very powerful to just sit there and cry out to God, help me, please. Please don't let me do that. Please don't let me say that. I've never had it fail when I have been in a temptation and cried out to God. I've never had it fail that he kept me from doing the thing I wanted to do or saying the thing I wanted to say when I cried out to God for help. And sometimes I would even forget about it and walk away. And then I would remember, hey, I didn't say that thing I didn't want to say. God kept me from saying it. He answered my prayer. The power of God that we have is so strong when we use it. A simple thing of asking God not to let me say something. 
Now, there are times God wants you to say something. There are times God wants you to bring correction to the other person. What I have learned to do usually is if I know I'm going to see someone, another person, I usually just pray ahead of time and just pray, God, please don't let me say anything that I shouldn't say. Please let me speak only the things you want me to speak. Often I pray that, and that God always honors that prayer because it's the will of God. Well, there's been so much for you in this recording that will be of value to you. I don't prepare things ahead of time of what I'm going to say on these podcasts. I depend on the Holy Spirit to show me what to say. God taught me from the beginning, just depend on me. Step out there in front of the people, and I'll bring to your mind the subject I want you to speak. And you speak that subject, and then I'll bring another subject to your mind, speak that subject. And that's what you've heard in this um, recording. I've just followed the Holy Spirit. And when you follow the Holy Spirit in writing or speaking, it always meets the needs of the people. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.